Well, friends, I am coming out of the gate at you directly here this morning. A uh, little bit of technical difficulties here with the computer. Uh, it was in a startup mode, a restart mode, and uh, it seemed like it wanted to keep itself there for quite some time and kind of an unusual type situation. Um, but here we are. We are finally live. I'm making some adjustments here on the fly, and uh, hopefully things will be copacetic here in just a moment. Uh, glad to be with you here. Uh, anybody that's listening in, not during the live hour, you won't know any difference except that there is no opening song here this morning. Um, that's about the only difference. And I'm a few minutes late, but again, it would be those folks who listen live that would really be able to capture the reality of that. So uh, anyway, I see folks logging in. Good to be with you. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today talking about salt, talking about light, talking about more, and uh, just thinking about some of the things that Jesus had to say to his disciples, what that would mean to us in living out our lives as followers of Christ. So uh, we're going to talk about being salt, we're gonna talk about being a light, and uh, going to talk about some of the tough things that Jesus had to say to his to his followers. I'm, I'm not trying to go verse by verse here or anything. I am simply trying to capture some large concepts of things that Jesus had to say to his followers. I'm going to be on uh, this week. Uh, we've got a few more weeks I'll be on, and then I'm going to be gone for a week. I'm going to be out in Montana, uh, part of one of the boards that, that I'm a part of for an organization called Ancient Path Disciple Making. Uh, so I'm going to be out in Montana for that week and not going to be broadcasting uh, during that week. Just giving you a little bit of a heads up. I leave, I think, the 29th of uh, August to get back the 2nd of um, September. And that's the way that that works. I almost said the 2nd of August, like I was going to be gone for a year. But no, I'm just going to be gone for just uh, just that particular week. You can look up Ancient Path Disciple Making, Google it, find out more what that is about, and uh, also look up Concentric Global, something else that uh, you, you may find some interest in seeing uh, what we're doing um, both nationally and globally uh, in terms of disciple making uh around the globe and it's pretty exciting stuff so anyway you didn't log in for any of that reason you're here for study you're here for encouragement you're here for inspiration uh, and uh, that's what we're going to try to bring as we get into god's word today um, again to apologize for a little bit of the delay that was here matthew chapter 5 says you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So he says, you, you, he's pointing at you, you are the salt of the earth. You, speaking to his disciples, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds 
and praise your Father in heaven. Now, I want to just highlight what it says in verse 16. I'll work our way through here, but he doesn't say that they might see your good your good life. He doesn't say that they might see your your moral stance. He doesn't say that they're going to see your righteousness necessarily, but it says he's going to, that men may see your good deeds, the things that we do to be of benefit to other people. We we need to do good deeds, helpful things, kind things, thoughtful things, considerate things, benevolent things, altruistic things, all of those things that we would do that people go, there's just something about you Christians. I mean, that's where generosity comes into play, learning to be a generous person. And uh when people see that, when they experience that, and both inside the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ, both of those things, when people see those things, they are going to glorify God. So for us as believers individually and also for us as a, a group of believers together corporately to ask ourselves, what are the good deeds that we can do uh, that would cause people to praise our Father in heaven? Now, I want to go back up to verse 13 and where it all started. It said, you are the salt of the earth. Now, I want to look at this in the uh, message paraphrase just to see what, what rendering it gives. Let me tell you why you were here, he says. You were here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors on this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. I mean, we have a responsibility to remain salty. Now, when it talks about salty, it isn't like, you know, sometimes we'll say so-and-so is kind of salty today, kind of like bitter, kind of cutting, kind of burning, kind of something along those lines. Um, he's not talking about salty in that way. And I, I think that Peterson does kind of capture some of the thought here you are to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors on the on this earth. And that ties in with going down below where he talks about the, the people will see the good deeds that we do and will glorify our Father in heaven. We need to remain, um, we need to remain filled with love. We need need to remain filled with joy. We need to be able to remain uh having a flavor about us that is winsome. Now, I'm not saying just to be a winsome, nice person all the time. Not necessarily. Sometimes we have to be tough. Sometimes we have to be, uh, and sometimes the salt does burn. Uh, but sometimes what happens is we do lose our saltiness. Sometimes we do lose that sense of um, being uh adding flavor. We lose the sense of wonder in our Christian life. We lose the sense of of wonder in in how we conduct ourselves. We we lose our sense of wonder in the awe of God. We we lose our sense of wonder in the greatness of God. We lose our sense of wonder for the love of God. And we need to come back and contemplate the greatness of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the faithfulness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, all those things uh, so that we are caught up with with God love, with God worship, uh, with with just this sense of, of of standing in awe of God in such a way that that it emanates from our lives to other people's lives. That we're to be the salt seasoning. Now, some people think the salt seasoning is our righteousness, but sometimes 
there is this sense of self-righteousness. You ever been around a person that they just smell of self, uh, of self-righteousness? I mean, it's like, well, I'm better than you, and no, I don't ever have those issues. No, I don't ever have those problems. I don't ever, well, wait a minute. I, I will tell you, I, I'm going to be just the opposite of that. I do have those issues. I do have those problems. I do have those struggles. I, you know, I, I, I struggle with bouts of discouragement, depression, like, like other people do. I, I struggle with, with uh, angry thoughts. I, I struggle with um, envy uh, or uh, covetousness. I mean, I struggle with those things, but yet I try to bring myself to God, and, and I encourage you to bring yourself to God. Let's keep ourselves well-seasoned in Christ. And how do we keep ourselves well-seasoned in Christ? We keep ourselves well-seasoned. It's, it's kind of like cooking on the barbecue. Uh, I made some chicken the other night. Wendy had some, some ladies over... Uh, kind of this planning team for this uh, women's retreat coming up or women's day coming up the end of August out at Fairhaven camp. And uh, I, I made chicken. So I put the barbecue sauce on the chicken, threw it on the grill and put barbecue sauce on the upward facing side of the chicken. Then when I flipped the chicken over, I put more barbecue sauce on I wanted to keep that wetted right down with barbecue sauce. And it's kind of like us as we're on the grill of life. Uh, the, the, you know, we keep adding more sauce. And what is the sauce? The sauce is the love of God. What is the sauce? The word of God. What is the sauce? I mean, what are some of the ingredients in this Christian barbecue sauce for our for the chicken of our own lives? Um, okay, I'm getting a little carried away here, I know. But um, what what adds the flavor? The Word of God adds the flavor. The Spirit of God adds the flavor. Gratitude adds the flavor. Generosity adds the flavor. All of these things add the flavor to our lives as we seek to be salty. Uh, and maybe choosing not to go down the same uh, ungodly roads sometimes that things like uh, um, some of the, the jesting that might take place in the workplace or out in public, and we just choose, oh, we're not going to be part of that. We don't go away all smug like, I don't do that type of thing. I don't do those jokes. No, we don't go away with smugness. We just kind of graciously excuse ourselves and choose not to be a part of that, and that that can make us salt in that way. He goes on and says this, he being Peterson, goes on and says, "Here, uh, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this as public as a city on a hill. I mean, we don't want to keep God a secret. Uh, We're to bring out all the goodness of God, all the love of God, all the mercy of God, all the grace of God, all the joy of God to bring all these things out to the world, all the truth of God to bring these things out into the world. God is not a secret to be kept. And and so we ask ourselves, how do we, um, how do we be that light? How do we not keep the secret? Well, you know, I, one of you every, almost every morning, especially on a glorious sunshiny morning, you, you start out with a picture uh, out your window down toward the bay and you you put on there, you know, something about the goodness of God or something about the majesty of God or something about you know, blessings. There are ways to to do things so that we don't keep God a secret. We want people to know all about him. So 
you know, to be light, to ask ourselves, how are we being light? Uh, sometimes the way that we are, we are the most light is when we are in the greatest darkness ourselves. Sometimes when we're going through the the immensely heavy stuff. Sometimes when we are going through the, uh, the the challenging stuff. Sometimes when we're going through, you know, uh, things that, that perhaps bring a great deal of fear or concern or uncertainty about the future. All of these things. When people know we're going through these things, but see is holding right on to faith, holding right on to God through all of those things, that makes light for other people. So again, looking at the message paraphrase, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. Uh, what Eugene Peterson had to say was, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. He says, we're going public with this, as, as public as a city on the hill. I mean, I, I've seen great pictures, and I'm sure so have you seen some pretty great pictures of, uh, of cities, uh, even in a valley. I mean, how light lights up the darkness. But then when you put that city up on a hill, it lights the valley. Now, the valleys don't tend to light the mountains, but if you put a city up on them, mountain that tends to light the valleys and, and and we're to be that city on the hill and we we need to ask ourselves i mean what type of light are we and uh, uh you know do do we bring god colors in the world what what do people see what do people experience when they look at us are, are they experiencing just another whining and complaining christian type person in the world or or are they experiencing experiencing from our lives, dripping off of our lives, graciousness, gratitude, generosity, uh, a Godward focus, Godward faith. I mean, may people experience that when they experience us. May we in that way be salt. May we in that way be light. Verse 15, again, looking at the message says, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. I mean, we are not to hide it away. We are to bring it right out, it being the light of Christ, it being the fame of Christ, it being the, the, the worship of Christ, all of these things. And, and so to ask ourselves, how am I being salt to those around me? How am I being light to those around me? Now, we aren't light. We aren't salt in this sense. I mean, it takes Christ at work within us and us working together with Christ that we might be that type of salt and that we might be that type of light. He says in verse 16, now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And, and I, I, I like what Peterson does here, the idea of being generous. I mean, it, it is this generosity that, that goes a long way uh, in being light to other people. So for us, I'm going to go back into uh, the NIV in fact, maybe I'll go to the New Living Translation here uh, for just a little bit. 
he does say, uh, you are the salt of the earth, uh, but what good is salt if it lost its flavor? I mean, what about you? How is, how is the flavoring of Christ in my life? How is the flavoring of Christ in your life? Do people taste Christ when they are around us? I hope that they do. Uh, I hope that they they experience, I hope that they taste Christ, uh, that they get the aroma of Christ, the flavor of Christ, the the sounds of Christ. You ever listen to pleasant music, something you really enjoyed listening to, or maybe it's the birds singing or water running or ocean waves or something that just really ministers to your soul? I mean, does the sound of our lives minister to other people's souls? Uh, does does the light of our life uh, bring other people light when they are in dark places? I hope that it does. Let me read the NLT again, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out, trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I mean, for us individually to ask, what are those good deeds? Um, That's part of a question. And uh, sometimes it's benevolence that is a good deed. Sometimes it is giving to help another person that that is a good deed uh, that maybe other people can see. I'm praying that that a, a gentleman, uh, not even in our state, will be, uh, his soul will be tweaked by uh, generosity on behalf of someone else, and uh, th- that it would cause this person to go, what is it about the generosity of these people? What is it? I mean, I, I hope that people, that this person, I'm praying that this person, without getting into any details, will, will, will be... Um, stirred and stimulated uh, by the generosity of this corporate body. And we can ask ourselves even what what corporate things can we do here uh, in our own locale, be it Morrill or be it Belmont or be it Searsmont or be it Belfast. I mean, those are Waldo. I mean, those are the adjoining towns around us. I guess you can go that direction and go Montville, you know, but, but what can we do to... Uh, to make an impact uh, to the community without being showy. Sometimes we get all showy and and try to create this big show, but just that people would see and experience the light of Christ in our lives. Now, I'm going to just scan down through a little bit uh, some more of the passage here. Uh, I think I want to go. I'm going to I'm going to pass some over. Uh, Jesus gets into some statements. Uh, he gets into some statements, some ways of saying things that, that are some of these uh, hard sayings. And I want to uh, call your attention to these things. Uh, Jesus, on numerous occasions, says, but I tell you. Uh, he looks at at the standard of the world, he looks at the standard of the world system, the way that we operate, or even even the way the religious system operates, and he goes much further with it. Jesus, Jesus says this, if you get down to verse 21, you've 
heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. So we stop there and go, well, I've not murdered anybody, so I guess I'm okay. But then Jesus has to say this, verse 22, but I tell you, I mean, he's going to probe. He's going he's gonna to go to meddling, if you would, in our lives. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to the judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Um, therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to your brother. Then come offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you are still on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth. You will not get out until you've paid the last penny. These but-I-tell-you statements that we're going to look at here in uh, in in the book of Matthew, uh, in this chapter, Jesus has some. I mean, we go, well, I didn't murder anybody, but Jesus says, yeah, but were you angry with somebody? Let, let's put this in the uh, New Living Translation and see if we get any other uh, insights uh, from this translation. You've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. Uh, if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, this is Jesus speaking, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go be reconciled to that person. Then come offer your sacrifice to God. Just the idea of settle matters quickly. Do the best you can. Now, now some of you would say, but but wait a minute, Pastor Jim, I, I've I, I've tried to deal with this person. All we can do sometimes is put the ball in somebody else's court. I mean, that's that's what we do. We, we go to them, we try to work it out, but if they'll hear none of it, if they go la 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 like that and just they don't want to hear it or don't want to reciprocate or don't want to forgive or don't, it's really on them. And now, we shouldn't go away all smug. Well, I did my part. Now it's all on them. I mean, we, we should go away with, with contrition, with with sadness, uh, uh, with prayerfulness that, that that person would come around and that the relationship would be restored. If we go away with a sense of bold arrogance, well, I did my part, then our hearts aren't still aren't right either. So we need to, we, we, we need to take these things to heart. Verse 23 I mean, Jesus seems to place a high premium on trying to make relationships right. If you're presenting your gift at the altar and suddenly remember someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there. In other words, if you show up for worship but you've just had a fight, go back and fix the fight. I, I will tell you a story. As someone came into worship service and, and they were they came right up to me and started complaining. This was years ago. Started complaining about the uh, the volume or something, and I I had papers in my hand and I. <laughs> Uh, smushed them up into a ball and threw them, and I was just irritated. It was at the back of the worship center, the worship room, when the sound booth used to be in a different room. And I was irritated, aggravated. It's like, I don't need to hear this type of stuff. Well, the person left. 
you think I could preach after I just had that encounter? So I, I immediately went and called the person. And I apologized to the person, said I was wrong. I got heated. I shouldn't have done it. You just need to understand on a Sunday morning, there's so many details and so many things that I don't I don't need to hear about that. Um, but I was wrong to, to be kind of explosive at you. Person came back to worship. I was able to preach. We resolved our differences. It was all good. That all happened in the in, in, in the context of about 30 minutes. That's just an example. We are called to try to work things out with people as much as we possibly can. Again, sometimes people won't allow for that. Sometimes they're not willing to forgive. Sometimes they're not willing to acknowledge their own culpability in a situation. Uh, and really, then it's on them. I, I, I've always taught that you put the ball in the other person's court. You go away with sadness and brokenness that the relationship hasn't been restored. Um, but really to say, I, I, I've done what I can do. Uh, and people sometimes will continue to beat up on themselves when they've really done all that they can do to resolve a situation. Christ calls us to something higher here. Um, let's go further in this. I, I want to hit some more of these, but I tell you. Down in verse 27, uh, some more but I tell you statements. You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. He says, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your hand, even even your stronger hand, cause you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, be, before someone says, well, that, that's uh, okay, got to pluck my eyeballs out. Well, he isn't necessarily, in fact, there's no necessarily about it. He is not, he is not inferring. He is speaking, speaking metaphorically here. Uh, he's not saying literally gouge out your eyes or literally cut off your hands, but what he's saying is deal with severity with the sinful things in your life, whatever they might be. Deal with it severely. You know, instead of plucking out your eyes, you got to learn to turn your head. I think that women and men have the same issue. Uh, I really do. I think that you know, men used to be that maybe men were the ones more filled with lust or at least acknowledged it or got blamed for it. But in my experience with people, I, I think women have the same thing. You know, men men are accused of checking out a woman's body in a woman's form, but I, women do the same thing. It's true. Um, so we're told, uh, deal with great severity with, with the areas that, that cause us to struggle. That's what Jesus is saying when he talks about gouging things out or cutting things off. We need to deal with severity. Again, verse 28 had this 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 word, but I say, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery. Now, I want to say this. Some people, yep, commit adultery. I'm going to write you off. Well, listen, are you any better? I mean, I've dealt with people like this that are like, yep, my husband, my wife, they looked at somebody else. I'm all mad at them. I'm all, well, have you ever done that? Um, now, I'm not saying that we should minimize it. I, I'm not saying that. I, I'm not saying that that if a man or a woman, either one, has a cheating heart, that, that it, it, it isn't going to wound us. It will. 
Uh, but God wants us is to be able to work that through, to work with forgiveness, to work with grace. Uh, there needs to be change. There needs to be acknowledgement. There needs to be all of these things in our lives. And uh, so that so that we can work through this 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 area, this aspect of life. Um, let's go further. There's more but I say statements of Jesus here. It says, you've heard that the law says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. It's the law. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she's been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. Anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. These are hard verses to look at. Now, maybe she is divorced because uh, she committed adultery. I mean, adultery is a reason given in the Scripture for for divorce. I mean, ultimately, God doesn't like divorce. Ultimately, God hates divorce. Ultimately, God wants us to to work things out in our in our marriage, uh, to to learn holiness, to learn godliness. Uh, in the context of our marriage. Now, I am. I will also be a man, a pastor, who will say sometimes divorce is is just what it comes down to. Uh, a person continues to have a cheating heart or a person continues to be abusive, uh, mentally abusive, physically abusive, emotionally abusive, spiritually abusive, um, dangerous. I mean, there are reasons at times when, when divorce will happen. And it isn't that divorce is like the ultimate uh, final sin. Uh, and sometimes in culture, sometimes in church culture, we make it like the unpardonable thing. And it's not. The issue is what are we going to do with our heart? Is our heart going to run back to God? Are we going to run back to godliness? Are we going to run back? Or or if we've been in the situation where we are the person who who created, caused the situation for the divorce, are we willing to, to man up or woman up and say, look, I was the person. It was me. I, I I was guilty and that we acknowledge this and repent of this and seek the forgiveness of other people and seek the forgiveness of God. Again, this is just some of these but I say statements of Jesus. I mean, Jesus goes further than the law does, much further. Let's look at more. Uh, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make before the Lord. But I say, do not make vows. Do not say by heaven because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by earth because the earth is His footstool. Do not say by Jerusalem for Jerusalem is the city of the great King. Do not even say by my head for you can't turn one hair white or black or grow them back. Oh, I added that part. Uh, just a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. So he's saying don't make vows. Just say, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Retaliation. Let me let me finish out this, this chapter. These but I tell you statements of Jesus. You've heard that the law says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. As someone slaps you on the right, offer the other cheek also. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken, give your coat too. If a soldier demands you to carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. 
I mean, you think about, wow, uh, letting someone borrow something. Well, I, I won't let people borrow my stuff because, you know, they might not return it in the way that that's good. They, it might be, you know, uh, they just don't bring it back right. Well, someone wants to borrow. Jesus says borrow. When someone asks for something, you give it to them. Someone says go a mile, you'll go too. Um, you don't resist. Someone slaps you on the cheek, you, you turn the other cheek. Jesus calls us to something higher. Down at verse 43. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Uh, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that. Uh, if if you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you're perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, some translations at that point will say, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let me bring this back up in the NIV and maybe land the plane there. Um Verses 43 through 48, reading this in the NIV. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We are called to love our enemies. Some people say we'll retaliate. Some people say get even. Some people say get mad. Some people say Jesus says the opposite. But I tell you, friends, I, I just want to suggest if you would go through these chapters and, and, and look at these words, these but I tell you statements of Jesus, that is the standard that the Christian is called to. That that is the Christian. That that, that is the standard that we are called to to live as uh, followers of Christ. Uh, th- these are the things that will set us apart. These are the things that will make us notable to those around us. That we that, that we don't treat enemies like the world treats enemies. We we treat enemies as Christ wants us to treat our enemies. We learn joyfulness. We learn mercifulness. We learn graciousness. We learn forgiveness. Um, We learn generosity. We learn all of these things. And these are the things that cause us to be salt, cause us to be light to the world around us. Friends, I, I hope that you've been encouraged, stimulated in how you will live your life today. It's my prayer. It is my hope. It is my hope that, that, that we would be light to those around us. Now, there's there's a little bit of a, uh, not a little bit, there's a prayer request here given over in the comments. Let me uh, look at this. It says, please pray and witnessing to someone who's walking through the valley. I hope he comes to know Jesus before it's too late. He is lost and scared. Uh, I'm repeating myself uh, to him. But thus far, he still resists. So, Lord, we do pray. We pray for, for Fran as she witnesses to, to this person. 
we pray for all of us. Uh, different ones of us have things that we struggle with. Uh, we have relationships that, that cause us to struggle. And so, Lord, it's my prayer that you will help all of us to be the witness with our lives and to be the witness with our lips. And that, Lord, that you would open ears, that you would open hearts, that you would you would cause people to receive the message of the gospel that we bring them. So, Lord, we, we pray with our sister on this front. And, Lord, we ask that you help all of us to, uh, to be the witnesses, to be the salt, to be the light uh, that you call us to be. Lord, that's our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, have a great day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.